From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. There is an untold story about the thousands of Afghans who've been resettled in this country. Uh, There are, what, about 90,000 Afghans who came to the U.S. since uh, the middle of 2021 after the evacuation. And in uh, Salt Lake City at our, our affiliate Bondables KSL, there's a new podcast called Stranger Becomes Neighbor. It is hosted by Andrea Smartin. And Andrea, you have been following these refugees for two years now. Why did you decide that the story needed to be told? Right. As you said, you know, once they get to U.S. soil, the story doesn't end there, right? Um, And we, I think, you know, Americans in general open their doors to these, what we viewed as Afghan allies. And um, it was, you know, seven out of 10 Americans said, we owe it to these Afghan allies to resettle them in our country. And so uh, my question was, with this podcast, we promised to be a welcoming community how well did we deliver on that promise? And, you know, I think the news stations were covering it when it, when they were first arriving, but I followed them through the long term to see what would happen. And my other big question was, what can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? I wanted to focus on the regular people in, in the communities, the neighbors, the friends who showed up to help these folks who you know, it was a very extreme situation. So so my question was, who's going to fill in the gaps? And in Salt Lake City, was there a, a large number of Afghans that came to your area? Uh, we ended up getting about a thousand, which isn't particularly more than other communities. But, um, but I know that our governor and our community really wanted to be a welcoming place for them. You mentioned that the, the resettlement services were were overwhelmed. I, I thought that, that usually they got some you – know, they got a heads up that, you know, we're going to have uh, 10, 20, 100 people coming to town. Right. So this was not a normal circumstance. Normally, refugees live in camps for years before they're admitted into the U.S. under asylum. And at that point, the refugee agencies normally have, you know – house house set up for them and um, and they're ready they have time to get ready and so when I talked to um, uh, the resettlement workers here they said this is this is not normal this is an extreme situation this is Aiden Batar who works for Catholic Community Services of Utah before uh, you know this crisis we have enough time of uh, for example, when a family is coming to Utah, we would know like ahead of time. So in that way, we prepare for their housing and everything. But with the Afghan situation, is completely different. And uh, everything is very quick. Uh, we get a notification of families arriving today, and the family will be here at the airport today. You get 24 hours or less. Or notice. less notice. Sometimes a couple hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're on the plane. They're on the way there. And... Get ready. Send Absolutely. send your case manager out to the <laughs> yeah. airport. Yeah, it is it is very uh, very stressful situation, and uh, when the families are arriving, they need a lot of support. And so, Andrew, remind us what it takes to to support a family. What, what kinds of needs have to be fulfilled by the community? Right. Well, there's so there's 
uh, they need to learn English that's to be able to function in society. They're going to need a job. They're going to need to be able to pay their rent. They're going to need health care. The kids need to get enrolled in school. These are all things that happen that have to happen with any refugee. But this particular circumstance, they came without notice. There was a shortage of affordable housing. There was a pandemic. Um, and there was just um, – they came so quickly. There was hundreds coming at once with for a handful of caseworkers to do all of these things with them. They had to pick them up at the airport as well. So uh, they, people were being put in hotels sometimes for a month or two months before they could be – you know, any affordable housing could be found for them. And then the clock is ticking. You know, they are supported by federal dollars for a while, and then they're supposed to be independent. And then on top of that, they need legal help because they don't have permanent legal status in this country. Most of them arrived under something called humanitarian parole. So they don't even have asylum yet. They have to apply for asylum to officially be considered a refugee and have permanent status in the country. That sounds really stressful on top of, you know, some of the stories I'm reading out of your podcast about, you know, women who who worked alongside uh, the military, U.S. Special Forces. They come to America. Suddenly you just described everything that they need to get done, plus mm-hmm. find a job, plus find child care. Uh, there's one woman in particular who uh, was a widow. And, and tell us a little bit more about her and if her arrival in America is what she expected. Yes, this is a remarkable story. And I have to say that working on this podcast has been so interesting for me as I enter into these people's hotel rooms and just hear these amazing stories. I didn't know going into this that there were there was a unit of women, of Afghan women, who were soldiers, an elite unit, trained to work with American special forces to go out on dangerous night raids where they needed women to be able to talk with the other Afghan women. And so she had a very extreme and dangerous um, position in Afghanistan. She was very much in danger once the Taliban was back in power. So she came to the U.S. and found safety. But then she's got to make a life for herself. At this point, she's a single mother because her husband was killed in an explosion. He was also working with American Special Forces. And she, you know, ends up getting a job at Walmart working part time and she's really stressed because how do you make ends meet? You know, for a while, the refugee agencies are paying her rent, but her rent is two thousand dollars. So when she has to pay that herself, you know, you, you know, working part time at Walmart isn't going to cut it. Tell us about uh, Carl. You met the Carl military veteran who was trying to get the local interpreters that he worked with out of the country before the Taliban find them. Right. Carl Sullivan, retired U.S. Navy. Uh, he, What really struck me about Carl is that he made a personal commitment to these interpreters. He looked them in the eyes and, and you know, they believed they were, they were going to protect one another. And, you know, he feels like he abandoned them and he feels like it's his responsibility to keep those that are left in Afghanistan alive. I start to head inside the Islamic Center when I run into the military veteran that Nazifa was talking to earlier. I'm Commander Carl Sullivan, U.S. Navy retired. Carl says he and his wife made the two-hour drive from their rural home in central Utah to support these Afghans, who he views as allies. I was there. When Carl served in Afghanistan in 2011 and 2012, he relied on local translators. 
I worked every day with my interpreters who saved my life and who did everything for us. They were the heroes. Carl says every Afghan here is close to someone who didn't make it. I've had nonstop people here since I've been here. There's three or four husbands today that say, my wife's trapped over there on the run. They're going to be killed. Uh, My brother was just killed last week, one gentleman here I just talked to. Everybody has a story of someone that is on the run trying to fight for their lives. An excerpt from the podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, hosted by Andrea Smartin, who we're talking to in uh, Salt Lake City. And so what do you hope people get out of the podcast, Andrea? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me... I think it can be so overwhelming when you see these um, images coming out of Afghanistan um, and these stories. It just seems so – it can seem so hopeless, right? What what can I do as a person with this inter- international situation? Uh, how can I possibly impact anything? And so when I started following this story, I was meeting people who were going into these hotel rooms, finding out what these Afghans needed. And um, I was I was really struck by that commitment. And once people developed this relationship, it was kind of a way in. It was a way in for me to understand, you know, we had been at war in Afghanistan for 20 years. And I, as an American, it's hard to know what went on there. And I think that's true for most Americans. I think most of us don't really know very much about what American service members did in our name. Uh, And so this podcast is a way in, for one thing, to understand uh, that situation and the people that are here, our newest neighbors. And then on the flip side, it holds up a mirror to, to ourselves. Who do we want to be as a community? What kind of a community do we want to be? What does it mean to be a welcoming community and how do we achieve that? So... So that's it's a, it's a sort of it's about the relationship, right? Do you think that did you find in uh, in doing this that the, the community has stepped up? I mean, do, did, did you come away uh, come away reassured? Mm, yeah, I, I I think I have a contradictory answer to that. I think mm-hmm. on the one hand, most Americans have kind of forgotten about this. I mean, there are a lot of pressing issues, right? So so new things come up, the news cycle moves on, and we just it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, so in some sense, I part of me feels like they've been forgotten and abandoned, and that many of them still have uncertain status in the U.S., so they still have needs uh, for help. Uh, and then on and then on the flip side, I started following people who just made a commitment and kept kept going back and developed these really uh, close relationships where a lot of times they become like family relationships. Uh, there was one woman I covered. Uh, she was helping a family who was here, three women who were here without their parents, one four year old girl. Um, and they call her mom. And and she's taken on that role for them. And so so it's so on the one hand, you know, many people, uh, they're abandoned by many. But then there's also a few who are sort of carrying the weight for all of us in some sense. What sort of reflections have you heard about America from the refugees who arrived here? Mm. 
I think uh, many of them, especially those who worked with American service members, they came here with some expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, they expect, I mean, they they are very grateful that they are safe here and they are free, but they, I didn't, I think they are surprised at how hard it is to make a life in the U.S. Um, especially, you know, on a, in low-income jobs. A lot of them are trying to support families with several children on one income. And, um, and I think it, it's really hard. And then on top of that, having their status still be uncertain. We're, we're two years out now, and many of these Afghans still don't know if they'll be able <clears throat> to stay in the country. They don't know if their status is permanent here. Uh, so... So that uncertainty is also very stressful. So they're under a lot of stress. Uh, so I think, so that's been tough. <laughs> yeah. No, that rings true. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I speak to so many people when I'm traveling about America, and it, it's it's sold as this promised land that the streets mm-hmm. are paved of gold. And you hear about you know young people from other countries believing that that's literal. Money grows on trees, and you come here, and it's mm-hmm. like smack right in the face that it, it's not the America that you thought it was. So I'm curious, on top of everything else they've been through, they come here and go, oh, well, this is it? I mean, that that to me is really telling. Yeah, and I think what's been interesting for me is, as I, you know, I've, in this podcast, I've been trying to sort of hold up a mirror to our community, sort mm-hmm. of asking what what kind of community do we want to be? Mm-hmm. And something that struck me is we have this, we often have this ethos of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and and I think what's struck home for me is that Americans, we all need a support system. Yes. It's true for these new Afghans, but it's true for Americans as well. So I feel like watching like this single mother struggling on a, on her income from Walmart, it's not so different from what Americans are struggling with as well, right? And the rising rents. Um, and then just she has that extra added stress of being a refugee. But, um, you know, it, it, it makes me question, like, how do we be a supportive community for each other? The podcast is called Stranger Becomes Neighbor. It's from our Bonneville affiliate in Salt Lake City, KSL. And Andrea Smartin is the host. Andrea, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, Not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.